0: Welcome to another thrilling episode of Adventures with Amanda, also known as Ladies of Industry, a Bitch Team Alpha podcast, where you get to hear about thrilling conquests and dramatic deeds, maidens of valor going forth and fulfilling their lifelong dreams of slaying dragons and starting their own independent video game companies. Today I'm talking to one such maiden, who goes by the name of Jennifer Schneiderite, Though she probably pronounces it differently because she doesn't have this awesome American tongue that's incapable of pronouncing anything in an ethnicity aside from its own. Uh, she is a programmer and the co-founder of Nyamnyam Studios, games, whatever. I actually don't know the subtitle of NiamNiam. Niam. I just know NiamNiam, Niam, which is fun to say. nyam. Uh, and they've been working for the past few years on a game called Tengami, which is really pretty, looks like a pop-up book, it's really cool, you should definitely check it out, I'll be sure to leave a link there. Um, this episode is a little less whimsical than I would say mine have been getting lately. Uh, usually I'm fairly tangential and have a hard time staying on point because we start rambling on about nerdy things, as nerdy ladies do. But because of the time difference, this was recorded at nine in the morning before I'd even had coffee or breakfast or was probably even wearing anything besides a robe. So I hope you enjoy this podcast and I will talk to you in a couple minutes, probably. Well, I'll talk to her in a couple minutes and then I'll talk to you again in like 45 minutes or however long this podcast is. So enjoy. All right, so um, why don't we get started, and why don't you tell us your name and what you do?
1: Uh, yeah, my name is uh, Jennifer. I am uh, a game creator. I make video games. And uh, a couple of years ago, about three and a half years ago, I co-founded uh, my own independent game development studio.
0: That's really awesome. How did you, uh, how did you get into doing that? Like, did you know the people that you co-founded with?
1: Yes. Uh, so, um, so uh, the other co founder is Phil, and uh, we worked together in video games, uh, basically in mainstream development for a company called Rare. I think a lot of people know that company, like from, you know, the golden Nintendo games, games like Banjo Kazooie or um, Donkey Kong Country. And uh, we worked together at Rare on Kinect Sports, and uh, yeah, really hit it off. And had kind of like different, I guess, development and design philosophies. And um, at the end of Connect Sports, we were kind of like, well, we we could stay in mainstream development and kind of like keep making like sequels (laughs) to Connect Sports. Mm -hmm. Or we could just, you know, take a risk and um, make the jump uh, into independent development and kind of like see... You know, like, what kind of games can we do, like, uh, as a small team? And what are the games, you know, kind of, like, sort of, like, games are different to mainstream that that we can come up with.
0: You get, like, more freedom for your creativity and whatnot?
1: Yeah, exactly, because, uh, you know, we're just three people at the moment, and we can really just make kind of, like, the games that we want to make, and also the games that we feel like, haven't been made before. Like, if you work in mainstream, it's kind of, like, a lot about, obviously, about uh, commercial success and uh, making games that will appear to already kind of, like, the existing uh, kind of, like, gaming community. Whereas when you are as, um, kind of, like, a small team like we are, like, we don't need to sell that many copies of our games to kind of, like, you know, keep going. So we can take more risks and kind of, like, try to come up with... um I guess more original games, but also games that not necessarily, you know, or that we don't know whether they will appeal to the already existing community.
0: I absolutely love um, independent games. Recently, I've been playing almost nothing but just because you're never sure what you're going to get. And there's so much creativity out there. And I, I love the indie industry. Um, so you work as the designer, the programmer, artist. What What is it that you do for the team for the most part?
1: Yeah, I'm a programmer, studied computer science. And uh, the first couple of years in the games industry, I was a programmer. But I've always kind of like had an interest for game design. So I gradually moved more towards game design. And um, so at the moment, yeah, most most of the stuff that I do is game design and level design and kind of like level building. And I also help out with the programming a little bit. And I do a lot of the the marketing, PR, and I guess business side of things. Because we are only three people, kind of like everybody has to wear many hats at once.
0: Yeah, I was uh, was part of a startup. And I think that's always a really fun part of being a small company is that you know, it's not so much what your official title is, it's what you can do, and everybody's just doing what they can. It's a wonderful environment.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's it's also really interesting because, you, like, you get to learn a lot of new things, um, you know, every day. Like, a lot of challenges. So that's good.
0: Um, do you mind asking, like, what programs do you guys use for your independent games, like, engine-wise?
1: Yeah, um, so we we created our own engine in uh, C. And we are oh. we're using um basically middleware uh, that been that been that we have used before in mainstream, like um Havok is a kind of like a well known physics and uh, animation solution. And uh, we also use something called WISE um by Audio Kinetic, which is a kind of like a sound solution. Uh, yeah.
0: Cool. So mostly C plus plus work, that's exactly that's really cool. yeah. So I'm guessing, did you go to school for um, computer science or did you teach yourself?
1: Yeah, I went to school for computer science, yeah.
0: Did you know you were going to apply it towards video games or did that just kind of happen?
1: No, that was very deliberately on my part. I, I went uh, into computer science to get into the games industry. Um, when I went to university, they're, they're kind of like the programs targeted towards game development didn't exist in Germany I, like I am German and um there wasn't any information actually how you could get into the into the games industry at that time or what kind of qualifications you need but I'm like I was never very good at drawing things but I always kind of like like computers and I grew up with computers and um so Like, I was very deliberately, you know, like, I need to have, like, a hard skill. I need to have, like, a good skill, you know, to get me into the games industry. Like, I didn't think that just, at the time, being a game designer, like, would be enough to get in. So, it's like, no, I'm, you know, I'm I'm going to do computer science. Because at the end of the day, if I don't get a job, you know, I I can still make my own game. The art would look kind of like, obviously, rubbish. But I can design and I can make it because I can program. Well, I, you know I, I know computer science
0: yeah, I don't actually run into very many female developers, which it always makes me so happy when I do because I don't feel like there's enough there's enough ladies out there in the software development industry, so I was very excited when I read that you had a background in computer science um, so were you able to just apply that education that you had directly and get into a game studio or do you do a lot of like self-development and practice at home and learning new things or maybe learning on the job like what do you think is most helpful developing your skills that you need to get into the gaming industry
1: well i mean so when i did my computer science degree which is you know almost 10 years ago it's like you know like there wasn't like the internet like it's nowadays like where you have like a lot of information about game development so I didn't obviously like things like um, you know like a lot of people were modding like with were modding Unreal and 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 Half Life you know Valve stuff. So so the modding scene like was pretty active at that time. But apart from that, like it wasn't like that you had things like Game Maker like you have nowadays or Unity that come like with a lot of tutorials like teaching you how to make games. So basically, my my strategy at the time was okay. You know I'm going to learn about computer science, and then I'm applying for my job, and I just basically hope you know, or trust kind of like my quick learning skills and my wits that I'll be able kind of like to make it up on the job so that they don't kind of like fire me after a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah that, that pretty much worked out that way, and um, so I did learn a lot a lot on the job. Uh, things that that we hadn't covered in university, like a lot of stuff like about physics and also some graphics programming. But, um, and then I also, uh, like, as I got into the industry and there were also kind of like a lot more resources that became available to me, like there's, for example, something called the Game Programming Games series that I wasn't previously aware of that covers kind of like a lot of the topics uh, you know, of specific things that you need for uh, game programming and kind of like specific problems that you come across all the time. But I also learned a lot a lot about kind of like, you know, game design books that exist. Um, and so uh, basically I try to continuously keep learning, you know, seeing, okay, what new interesting books are coming out and kind of like uh, read as much as I can. And there's also um for example the game developers conference they have a website and they have something called the gdc vault that um a lot of the content is locked but they also have actually a ton of free content where you can see you know very experienced developers kind of like uh, giving talks about the kind of like their design philosophies or how they approach certain problems and uh, basically yeah, ever since i i uh I joined the games industry. I just basically try to keep myself, you know, educated and learn as much as I can.
0: Um, yeah, I actually... Um, I went to school for art. I didn't go to school for, for programming. But I did teach myself recently kind of how to program. And I've noticed that it's, it's so easy with the resources that are available to teach yourself to do these things. Uh, however, I am trying to get a degree because... A lot of companies are still very hesitant to give you a job without a degree, which is very interesting to me considering the resources available for self taught or well, self teaching these days. So, I don't know. So, you have um, worked in the game industry in um, both Japan and the UK? Yes is the what's the culture like in both of those places for being a, like a female game developer were you I mean were you taken seriously or were people skeptical like what is a girl doing here
1: Well in Japan I I actually never had the feeling that that made a difference whether you're male or female actually it's quite interesting and, and so I, the company I used to work for in in Japan is called Acquire and they actually had a had a very high um, percentage of female developers uh, almost I think the entire art department uh, was comprised of women
0: oh that's cool
1: Um. so I mean obviously so I was the only female programmer so you're, you're like a little bit of a unicorn um, in that sense mm-hmm. and they also didn't have a lot of female game designers I think only one one or two but because they had so many women in the art department, you know, like it wasn't like like you were special in the, in that way because there were always a lot of women around, anyways. So I didn't, I didn't have that um, that impression in Japan um, at all. Um, but I do have to say that um, that might be a little bit different because I'm I'm a foreigner, and I think that. Um, like if you're a foreigner in Japan it's basically you, you get a lot of leeway so if, if so if, if you asked like a Japanese kind of like game developer the same question you, you might get like a completely different answer mm-hmm. um in the UK yeah the in the UK here had Rare like there were really only a few women like I think they they only had like kind of like about three female animators and there was one other female programmer and one other female designer. Um, no, like, I I'm, I'm mostly, I didn't have the feeling, like, that I wasn't taken uh, seriously, but I did have, like, I had, like, the feeling that there was, like, maybe, like, two or three people mm-hmm. that were sometimes kind of, like, trying to enforce a little bit this, oh, you know, I'm a man and kind of, like, I know things better. Uh-huh. But I like I like I didn't like encounter anything kind of like um. You know where that was um, well I don't know like I I didn't think that the that kind of like the, the company culture was sexist or anything. I think it, like you you get that you get that anywhere where you go where you have like kind of like a few people, that are not like behaving like like, like they should be.
0: Uh-huh yeah no matter where you go, there's gonna be someone who's a butthead,
1: yeah <laughs> yeah exactly.
0: <laughs> that's good to hear that the uh the companies you've worked for haven't been in any way or haven't really been sexist about things i mean it is i'm always a little bit sad that you know there aren't more girls in the in the gaming industry um though the percentage of artists and um p r and marketing is really climbed as far as as females go and I do often get the impression for many companies that it's just as much that they can't find them as much as you know they it's not that they hesitate to hire them it's just that there aren't many out there but I have heard some horror stories from people about how you know if they're working for a company and they're a female a lot of things aren't taken seriously or if they have conflicting opinions that theirs is taken second but I'm That's really nice to hear that um, the culture is a little bit seemingly more accepting over there, which is, which is awesome to hear. How about like socially gaming? Um, Like when you go play video games with people or do you, do you play video games online? Yes, I do. Do you ever get on the mic and do they ever react differently when they find out you're a girl?
1: Well, so the, so the thing for me is that I, like I don't find kind of like, voice conversations with strangers useful in any way. So when, whenever I play online, it, it, that has always been the case, like, I always mute the mic. Um, like, I started to play Dota 2 a couple of months ago, and I had the mic on, uh, not because I wanted to talk, but I just kind of like, okay, hear what people are talking about. But it's it's kind of like people don't even talk about the game, right? So it's like, you're supposed to talk about strategy, but people are just kind of like saying stuff like oh you know i'm going to smoke a joint now and stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't i don't really i don't really want to know kind of like these random sorts of strangers so i i always mute the mic uh i actually so i use my real name when i play online or i always use a female name so people do realize well or should be realizing from the name that i'm a woman Um, but I have been, I know that, I know that there's like, like this Tumblr out there, like where basically girls, you get like a lot of abuse online, you know, send, send kind of like in proof of images, but like, I've never had anything kind of like happen to me like that. I mean, very occasionally, it's like kind of like somebody wants to flirt, (laughs) you know, they're like, oh, there's a girl. That's kind of like flirt with her and be charming or whatever. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> Ooh, a girl playing Dota let's attract her. Yeah. <laughs> She's the keeper. Uh, what other what other games are you into besides Dota?
1: Um I I bought a 3DS a couple of weeks ago. Been playing Animal Animal Crossing and mm-hmm. uh Professor Leighton a lot. And um <laughs> I'm I'm playing a lot of games on my on my iPad, of course, like, you know, 3s, uh, Monument Valley, and I mean, I almost have every c- console anyways, so mm-hmm. <laughs> I think last game I played on my Xbox was uh, Tomb Raider, the new one. Yeah, that was a good I game. I really, really, well, after the, it gets really strong. The first hour was a bit weak, but after the first hour, it gets, uh, gets really strong. I enjoyed that one. Yeah, I like uh, sort of like action-adventure games a lot. Um, you know, things like Assassin's Creed, Tomb Raider. Also survival horror, uh, Resident Evil series. I really like that. Um, I'm also helping to judge kind of like some independent festivals. So I've been playing like a lot of indie games recently.
0: <laughs> oh, you guys have um, what sort of festival?
1: Uh, Indicate.
0: Indicate like arcade, but with indie.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that is cool. one of the biggest in uh, in the world. Yeah, they're really good.
0: So is it just like a video game convention? Like um, I don't know many besides um, Penny Arcade Expo, <laughs> but like a big video game um, expo where you just wander around and play indie games.
1: Yeah, essentially, but it's uh, much, it's much uh, smaller than that. So it it takes place in Los Angeles. In, uh, downtown uh, Culver City and it's basically part of it is uh, it's basically just sort of like in the in the city center and a lot of it is happening outside because it's obviously LA and it's always amazing weather and then part of it is happening inside yeah and it's just um, I guess the 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 best up-and-coming indie games are on display there it's sort of like a big celebration of independent video games
0: that sounds awesome. I would totally go to that. Yeah,
1: it's in October. Like you should, you definitely should. They also do something called the night games, where like it says like you play video games in the dark outside. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. really, it's really, it's really special.
0: Sounds so magical.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I'm gonna have to look up a little bit more information on that and probably link it and tell everybody who listens to this that they should go and we can have a big party. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, so your guys' studio came out with TenGami, right? Yes. And I was going to download that onto my computer so I could play this, but you guys haven't released a PC version yet, right?
1: Exactly. Couple couple of months ago, uh, we released it on the App Store for um yeah iPad and iPhone, and uh, we are currently working uh, basically to uh, porting it to PC Mac. And also uh, Nintendo's Wii U.
0: Oh, that's cool. I uh, I don't actually own any Apple devices, so I couldn't, <laughs> uh, I couldn't play it before the recording, and I was kind of sad. But as soon as it's available on either Wii U or the PC, I'm hoping to play it, because it looks absolutely beautiful. Um, Thank
1: you.
0: Very very elegant art style, um, feudal Japanese kind of pop-up book. I And I was very, very interested by um, the look of it. So what gave you guys, you want to tell us a little bit about that project?
1: Yeah, so Tengami is, an. we we call that an an atmospheric adventure game. And it takes place in this really beautiful uh, looking Japanese uh, pop-up book. And it's a very sort of quiet and serene game. I like to call it a chill-out game or a Mm -hmm. bedtime game. And the way that it works is, like, you control a little paper man. And at a very kind of, like, slow pace, you're walking through these uh, kind of, like, gorgeous paper landscapes. And you come across uh, puzzles and obstacles that you solve by flipping, folding, sliding, and pulling parts of the pop-up book world. But it's not supposed to be, like, a... Like a super hardcore puzzle game, right? It's more about the kind of like the joy of playing with this uh, pop up book world. Mm-hmm. And these, the idea we came up with it um, when, so uh, like a couple of years ago, we saw this um, video on YouTube actually that um, was an animation project um, that some students had done. And it showed just, basically it was a hand animated pop-up book. And um, like Phil and I started talking about it, like how we really loved pop-up books when we were children. And that it's such a magical feeling when you flip the page and you see this, you know, paper construct, like that is like completely flat, like, you know, unfolds and creates like an awesome dinosaur or, you know, like a house. And it's basically so unexpected. It gives you like a real sense of wonder. But there's also this magical aspect to it because you're like, you know, how does this work? Like, why is it, you know, how can paper kind of like do these things, like be completely flat and unfold into this, you know, wonderful looking thing? And uh, we were like, pop-up books are toy books but why is nobody using that in video games like what kind of video game can you make that uses pop-up books as a game mechanic or that take place inside a pop-up book and so this is sort of where the journey you know began
0: cool i actually i really did love pop-up books as myself when i was a kid um my grandma gave me a whole series of them and i would just sit there for hours and um you know, as you said, open them and play with them and just touch them and try to figure out how it was that it works. Yeah. When I was watching the video and you guys captured, like, the sound of the page flipping very well, and I was like, "Ah." (laughs) (laughs) I want to play with the Papa book. So that's really cool. Um, Have you guys uh, worked on or been working on any other games? Or has has Tengami been your guys' first baby?
1: Yeah, it took a really long time uh, because it turned out that the reason that nobody was making games in pop-up books is that the technology uh, behind it is really difficult because uh, to make, like, everything in the game folds like a like a real or an authentic pop-up and you can kind of, like, recreate everything that you see in the game with paper, scissors and glue and it would fold exactly in the same way and there's this kind of technology doesn't exist so it took us like a really long time to figure out how we can do these kind of like virtual pop-ups, right? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we worked on that for three and a half years now. And uh, yeah, we're bringing it to more platforms so that more people can enjoy it. And then we we'll go on to the next game.
0: Um, so do you have any advice for anyone who's maybe a software engineer or a designer? or you know, hoping to get into, you know, an indie setting or even a triple A setting. Like what do you think has been the most helpful to you for, for getting into these jobs?
1: Well, so like I think like if you want to go into the triple A space and education is really important. Like in triple A like people definitely want to see your diploma in kind of like whatever you choosing, your chosen path is. So that is a first step. Um but I think it's gotten more and more competitive uh, nowadays because there are more people and more programs, so there, are, you know, naturally more people trying to get in. So it's also, I think, very important to have kind of like good social skills, and um, basically to interview well, like that you leave a good impression, and like that people see that you're like a, a well-rounded person. Um, and um, I think also, you know, like passion is very important. But you have to be a little bit careful because a lot of, I think, young people, like you tend to be, you know, like passionate about playing games, but like always remember that you're applying to make games so kind of like show passion for making games. And uh, I think uh, definitely, like if you, you know, if you can, like try to join game jams and kind of like make a lot of small games but basically so that you go through this process from conception to finishing a game. Uh, I think that is like a very good experience to have uh, when you interview and talk to people. And it will also give you kind of like a good portfolio because you can show kind of like that you've worked on various um, projects. And uh, yeah, like try to present versatile. Um, I think like a lot of people, like a lot of people, you know, Sometimes go in and say, oh, you know, I only want to make first person shooters and I would never make, you know, like a like a family sports game and things like that. Um, Kind of like remember that kind of like it's like what you like to play as a video game. Like, you know, that is like that's like only one part of it. Like as somebody who makes video games, like you should present as somebody who is able to kind of like create any kind of video game you know, that you were asked to make.
0: Was Rare your first job, or did you work for other game studios before that?
1: No, before I worked for Akwai in Japan for four years, where we made, uh, yeah, where I only worked on kind of like Ninja and Samurai action-adventure games. And mm-hmm. then Kinect Sports, yeah, it's a kind of like a family sport game that's uh, motion-controlled. And yeah, Tingami is like a a mix of point-and-click adventure game puzzle and pop-up book so it's sort of like it's like all over the place like i've worked on you know games that are all over the place
0: Mm-hmm. have you do you um make small games or did you make small games you know to go into your portfolio beforehand just for fun maybe getting together with a couple friends and just making a little a little bitty game
1: uh, like i used to do a lot of uh, pen and paper uh, role-playing like um you know dungeons and, and dragons um mm-hmm. cthulhu and that sort of stuff so like i ha- i had like experience kind of uh, designing i guess pen and paper campaigns and i did a few very small games but uh, my education background i think was uh was so strong that they never asked me to show anything um but that was but because that was already you know like 8 years ago well eight nine years ago i think nowadays it's different and the portfolio is, is more important like my uh my little sister uh, i have a sister who's 11 years younger than i am and she wants to go into games as well and she's currently applying for all of these game schools uh in germany and like basically just only just to get into the school like you already have to show You know, like that you have, uh, that you can do kind of like basic design. So they are basically given, everybody is given a design challenge and then they have to submit uh, prototypes that can either be kind of like board game prototypes, paper prototypes, or can be digital prototypes. So nowadays it's really important to have that portfolio of, um, you know, various uh, small games.
0: Wow, so you need to be kind of decent at design just to get into the design schools
1: Well, I'm not sure that they are basically looking for that you're decent, but I think they' are looking for potential right mm-hmm. that uh, mm-hmm. like the the topics that they give you or that that my sister was given was actually a very abstract topic, and I think they do that on purpose uh, basically because they you know they have, they want to see uh that you can deal with basically non-traditional concepts that you can see video games more than the kind of like the AAA or mainstream games that you have played because I think you know like everybody like the the games that we grew up with you know whether it be like a first person shooter you know if you look at the Halo series or Call of Duty I think that everybody can kind of design like such a game because like we've played them you know so many times same goes with something like Assassin's Creed, but a lot of people, I think, kind of like don't realize how difficult it is to design something from scratch, like where you don't have any reference points. And so the the challenges that they are giving in some of these uh, in some of these game program schools are, are actually um, really difficult and I don't think that they are looking for people you know that come up with the perfect game but they basically want to see that people can go beyond the the games that they know
0: so it it's probably a really useful exercise for anyone who is interested in getting into game design or even you know any of the other aspects to just maybe get together with friends and try to create something a little outside the box
1: yeah absolutely just you know Uh, for example there's something called the global game jam that's happening every year and every year they give like a really kind of like interesting and interesting topic um now i don't remember what the topic uh what topic was this year but it's it's always you know something that's completely left field that's like completely kind of like where you're not like oh yeah it's like you know this and that famous game it's it's never like that it's it's a really good challenge it's very
0: good practice so they make sure to give you something with no point of reference so they can see what you do with it exactly yeah now the conversation trailed off a bit after that and you know we hugged we kissed we schmoozed or i ran out of questions and my 9 a.m brain hadn't booted its you know proper etiquette protocols and I said an awkward goodbye and said okay let's stop recording instead of actually giving a nice you know farewell adios and you know goodbye so I just you know I'll just cut off the recording there and um but um I did talk to her for a little bit longer after we stopped recording which I have since learned is a bad idea just record forever because funny stuff happens after you think you've stopped recording Um, But I did ask her afterwards about her views on education because they did seem different to me than the opinions I'd been getting recently from anyone in the industry. Because while education is amazing and good and school is awesome, it's also very expensive. And a lot of people are going to school these days and then they don't get a job, and then all of a sudden they're in, you know, crippling debt and they don't have anything to do with it. And the video game industry, especially um, on the indie side, um, doesn't necessarily require, you know, a degree. You can mess around with stuff, learn a little bit online, and, you know, even if it's not enough, you know, you're messing around isn't enough to get into the industry, it's at least enough to let you, you know, realize whether you actually want to get into the industry or, you know, into video games in general or maybe... That's just not your thing, you know? It's good to figure that out beforehand, otherwise you're, you know, 60 grand broker and it turns out you really don't want to do this thing that you spent all this money on. So, um, that's kind of been the general consensus I've been getting from a lot of the ladies I've been talking to, is just, you know, feel around, teach teach yourself some of these tools, make some games for yourself, and then if you still really want to go to college, do it then. But, you know, Jennifer, as you heard, is very, very pro-education, pro-school, and I was kind of curious what gave her that different opinion, so I asked her about it, and I'll let you listen to that bit. The quality is not as good, as I said, because it's on a backup recording that I take of the actual Skype conversation itself, so it's a bit muddy, um, and it has to deal with internet latency, so it's not nearly as good, but it's definitely worth a listen, so stay tuned. But um, it's really, you know, it's good to hear the other side of things, especially from a computer science point of view, because a lot of the times to this day with computer science, you do need the degree. Otherwise, people just don't, they do look at you too much. So it's good to hear that as well. Yeah, I know like a lot of
1: people are saying that um, don't go to school, don't don't go into a mainstream environment. But I think... And, you know, the the thing is, with something like game development, it's a very risky job. So if it doesn't work out, you know, like if your independent studio, like, goes under or whatever, like, because you always have the degree, you always have your education to fall back on and you get a job again. Mm -hmm. Whereas, let's say that your independent game developer dreams, like, don't work out and, like, you are, I don't know, 35 or 38, and then you don't have an education, then like you're going to have like a really hard time finding a good job. So I'm a big fan of education. I know that's expensive in the US, but you know, mm-hmm. you have it and you can always fall back on it if you need it.
0: You went to school in Germany, you said right? Yeah. Before you moved to Japan. What's it what's it like going to college over there? Is it I mean, is it expensive to the point where you put yourself in debt for years or is is education a little bit easier over there
1: no it's mostly it's mostly free like you pay a couple hundred of dollars a year uh like for your tuition fee and uh then you you basically only have to pay your rent and food but most people basically just get like a part-time job so that they can pay for the you know for life-to-life necessities but because the education itself is, is Essentially, free, it's more of an administration fee that you have to pay. It doesn't
0: put you into debt. Jeez, you guys are so lucky. <laughs> oh my gosh i paid I paid like sixty thousand dollars to go to school for eighteen months. so oh. <laughs> should have moved to Germany. <laughs> yeah ah, oh, all right. well, on that depressing American note. <laughs>
1: But, I mean, if you get into the mainstream industry in the U.S., they do pay really well. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, I when I was in school, I wish I would have gone for um, computer science earlier. Because they told us um, when we were in college, they're like, artists, you know, you're needed, but there are thousands of you. You guys are going to make, you're probably going to make, like, not much over minimum wage when you first get started and then eventually you'll get into probably a decent paying job if you're good at it. But where the computer science guys, there aren't as many of them, and they're basically worth their weight in gold, so those guys are going to make hella money as soon as they get into the industry, so have fun with that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's true, that's true. Like programmers get paid really well in the industry.
0: Well, that's all I have for you tonight, my lovely listeners. About time for me to shove off and go to bed, so thank you for listening. Thanks to Jennifer for being a great guest. And make sure you do all those awesome social things you're supposed to do to help us learn and grow as a podcast um, on Facebook, We Are BT Podcast. So like us there, comment on our stuff, you know, join us as a community of awesome nerds. Um, and on, on the... Uh, Instagram and on the Twitter we are Bitch Team Alpha, and I know we have a Twitch page. I'm not entirely sure what it's under. Probably Bitch Team Alpha. If you look in there. I'm sure you'll find it. Uh, the ladies have been playing a lot of Sims Four and Destiny recently, so definitely check that out. And you know, just you know, help us build a community of nerds. Doesn't necessarily have to be lady nerds, but you know, nerds who support you know women in nerdery and, you know, realize that nerddom is for everybody, and, um, that's all I have for you guys tonight, so have a good rest of your whatever time of day it is, so good night, good morning, good evening, good midnight, and, um, I'll see you guys next time.